Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West U.S. 36 in Danville, and 2238 West U.S. Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 31 31- 745-2700 or by going to their website hawkeyestorageunits.com Hi, this is John Waits and if you can hear my voice you're going to be hearing Alan on WYRZ This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers This is where Alan hangs out with music royalty Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Ron Keel. Ron, how's your day going? My day is going great now, especially. I get to talk to you and be on your show and introduce myself to your listeners. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, thanks for coming on. Ron, let's go Let's go back to the beginning. Um, let fans know who you are and, and who your musical influences were at an early age. You know, what record was it that you bought and you said, oh my gosh, I, I love that, you know, this is this inspired me. Well, that's a long story. I'm not sure how if, if we've got all day or not, but I, I can uh, <laughs> certainly start at the beginning with watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1964. I was only two years old. My sister was 13, so she was a teenager. She was all excited about the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and, I remember we were sitting on the floor uh, because we didn't have any furniture uh, with a black and white TV on the floor. And I saw the Beatles play on TV when everything was black and white, man. And it just uh, immediately I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I was uh, totally infected with the rock and roll bug. And I wanted to do that. And, and, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of years making that dream come true. And I'm still living the dream after all these years. Now, of course, as a musical sponge, I've soaked up everything along the way, starting with you know that 60s and 70s rock and roll and playing in the school band. I'm a school musician. I started playing the uh, the drums, the trumpet, the, all the valve instruments, and, and learning to read sheet music when I was in school. So I, I really value that school music training my music teacher george schmidt he passed away last year but he was like for 40 years he was like a second father to me and a real mentor he taught me to not have any musical prejudice i mean we played everything in that band from classical music to pop to motown and he also taught me how to lead a band, how to get 60 kids in a room with a bunch of different instruments. Most of these kids just took band class so that they could get out of math or English or whatever. I, I took band class because I was absolutely in love with music and wanted to play anything and everything. And how he could assemble that group of kids and coach them to work together as a team and execute some pretty complicated music when you're in the fifth and sixth grade. You know, taught me invaluable lessons about being a band leader and about not having any musical prejudice. And I'm sure we'll get to that in the course of this interview about the diversity that I've displayed 
throughout my career as a, you know, I, I won awards in, in school for playing jazz and classical music. And I grew up playing rock and roll. And then I went to heavy metal. And now I finally settled in a place uh, that I call cowboy metal, which is kind of southern rock, uh, a blend of country music and, and heavy metal, which is why they call me the metal cowboy. And I'm, I'm in a place that's, that's very comfortable to me. And I still enjoy and appreciate all styles of music. You know, back then, you could hear the Eagles and Black Sabbath on the same radio station. I didn't realize there was a big difference. You know, I just, obviously, as a teenager, you get, uh, you gravitate to whatever's more exciting, more rebellious, more sexy, or whatever. And, and so that, that loud rock and roll with, you know, bands like Kiss, Bobcat, Led Zeppelin, and Deep Purple, that really uh, triggered my love of hard rock and heavy metal music which i explored heavily in the 80s as many people know well that kind of answers one of the questions i was going to ask you later we'll just kind of expand on that if uh if you was to meet somebody for the first time how would you describe your music to them if they didn't know, didn't know who you were and you say hey i'm a musician you know how would you describe your music i mean you kind of gave us a little bit of a taste there well first of all i, I never have to to do that because I never have to go up to somebody and say, hey, I'm a musician, because for some reason they say, hey, you're a musician, aren't you? And of course, the, if you're sitting on a plane, you know, you're, you're, you're in, in, anywhere in public, now, what kind of music do you play? And that's a very common question. It's very tough to put a label on it, but we have to do that. We have to let the folks know what's on the menu before they order, right? Exactly. So, you know, I, I, right now, I tell them Southern Rock, because that I think describes where I've been the last 20 years, especially. Uh, it's good, solid American Southern rock music, uh, a la Leonard Skinner or, you know, some of those classic Southern rock, Blackfoot, you know, some of the bands that we covered on last year's South by South Dakota album. And that's just a, an easy term that people understand. They go, oh, okay, I get it. Because uh, you can't, you know, you're in a conversation in public and just meet someone. You can't tell them your whole life story like I'm telling you and your listeners on the, right. the show today. So, um, you know, I, I did have a very successful career in, in what they call, you know, and this even this term has become diluted because it was at the time it was, hard rock slash metal i mean i think the right to rock is a metal album that was my signature major label debut in 1985 which really put me on the map and that is uh, i think that's a metal album and through the years i i enjoyed uh three albums on the billboard chart sold about three million of them things and, and i had a, a great run of success in the 80s touring with bands like bon jovi van halen motley Crue, and aerosmith and so forth and then when the bottom fell out of the 80s era and you know it always happens culture changes and uh, everything changes people grow up and all of a sudden in the early 90s it wasn't cool to be who we were anymore. We were no longer the rock gods. We were the laughing stock, basically. And here I am, after selling three million records, I've got a beach house and a couple of sports cars. And, and I thought it would last forever. And it didn't. It, the, the bottom fell out very quickly, and I'm stuck with a family and a, a lot of bills I can't pay, and no record deal, no tours, no nothing. And I had to go back to where I started 
and just, you know, I'd walk into a bar and just with my acoustic guitar, I grew a beard, walked into a bar with an, with an acoustic guitar and said, hey, my name's Ronnie Lee. Didn't even use my last name. Didn't even say Keel. Don't even say the Keel word. Hey, can I play? I'll play for tips. And I, I was able to still play, entertain people, and started writing songs. I'd go out to the desert, build a campfire with a bottle of whiskey and an acoustic guitar. I started writing these songs about real life and heartbreak and love and pain and you know, good times, bad times, drinking beer, chasing women, whatever. And it sounded like country music when you're just sitting there by yourself with an acoustic guitar. Songs like Every Rose Has Its Thorn. I mean, that's a country song. Uh, and I was writing songs like that. And it ended up being country music. And in the 90s, I enjoyed that entire Garth Brooks explosion where I was playing in all the rodeos and honky-tonks and roadhouses, doing my country music with a great group of musicians. I uh, ended up doing a couple of great albums and toured the world. And so I got to kind of relive that Hollywood dream, only it was hillbilly Hollywood in the 90s. And, you know, I was never completely at home in either role as the heavy metal rock god it really wasn't me i'm just the guy next door and as the country boy in the 90s i felt there were too many restrictions on what i could and couldn't do or could and couldn't say and i didn't want anybody putting fences around my music so i kind of combined the two into what i call cowboy metal with a band called Iron Horse 20 years ago now, 21 years ago, in the year 2000. And that's been my musical home and comfort zone ever since. That Southern rock, it's, it's basically country songs with screaming metal guitars and screaming vocals and thunderous drums. You, know, you, you put it all together, and the easiest term is Southern rock, but it, there's a, a little more to it than that. I call it cowboy metal. Cowboy metal. I, I like that version. I like that the way you said that. Let's let's go back. I'm going to go backwards on something that you talked about with uh, your first major album, and it was produced by Gene Simmons of Kiss. How did that come about? That is a great story. I'm glad you asked, and I love telling those one, man. Uh, we got signed to our major label recording contract. We were in the right place at the right time with a great group that was packing the uh, Southern California club circuit and, and selling out all the big venues there in Southern California. And it was really just a matter of time until we, oh, oh, thank God, we got that record deal. And when we did sign with Gold Mountain A&M in August of 84, the president of the label presented me with a list. I thought it was pretty cool that he even asked my opinion because usually they'll just tell you what to do and where to go and who you're going to work with. He handed me a list of producers at the time it was literally a who's who of all of the great hard rock and metal record producers like uh, michael wagner martin birch uh, i forget who else max norman was on the list and gene simmons name was on the list and at the time gene had only produced i think a couple of things what kiss helps of course but wendy o williams he had produced and you know, I'd like to take credit for the brilliance of me just looking at that piece of paper and going, yes, Gene Simmons, that's my guy. I want Gene. Hook me up. Um, and it turned out to be a brilliant business move for us because Gene really took us under his wing, got in our corner, fought for us, produced a couple of great albums in 85 and 86. And the Kiss fans bought it immediately because of Gene's endorsement. And so the Kiss Army literally... Uh, 
We sold, it was the fastest selling debut album in AM Records history when it came out in January of 85. But my reasoning for picking Gene was because he was the only guy on the list that I knew of that was a musician. He was a rock star. He was an entertainer. He was a songwriter. He was a guy I wanted to be like. I wanted to do what he had done. And that was the reason I, I chose him. Of course, I'm a huge Kiss fan. It was my first concert when I was uh, just a kid. Uh, you know, I, I, I was in the front row getting Gene Simmons spit on me and feeling the flames <laughs> as he's blowing his, his flames. I caught a Gene Simmons guitar pick because I'm the tallest guy and I'm in the front row and I'm 6'4". And, and seven years later, here I am sitting beside him in the studio recording our major label debut, The Right to Rock. Very surreal experience. And Gene did so much for my life and my career. He taught me so much. If you visit the store at the website, ronkill.com, go to the, the online store, you will see Gene Simmons influence because I've got like 40 different items. Man. i got, You've I got, got a great website. A great I have, I have a, an extensive store in the marketing and branding, something that Gene taught me a lot about the business, but he also taught me so much about making great records. Uh, and there's so much more to that guy than just the... Uh, the hype and the money and the you know the, the image. He has a deep love and appreciation for rock and roll history, and he taught me how to make great records. And still, to this day, when I'm in the studio, there's a little demon on my shoulder looking over me going, Ron, you should do this, or you should do that. He taught me uh, how the instruments work together, how the kick drum and the bass guitar should be synchronized with the kick patterns and bass patterns, uh, how to stack these big, huge anthem vocal choruses that I've become known for, and, and so much more that Gene taught me during those those years and those sessions that were still on very good terms. The last time I saw him, I was on the radio doing my, my daily radio show in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I'm looking through the, the glass, and Gene comes into the lobby, and I put the headphones down, I walk out of the booth, and he sees me, and he just opens his arms, walks up to me, grabs and puts me in a big bear hug, didn't say a word, man, just that hug said it all. And so, you know, to, to have Gene, Gene Simmons from KISS, one of the most iconic rock stars in history, uh, be a mentor and a friend to me, was uh, it, it's been uh, one of the greatest uh, benefits of my entire career. That's a, a phenomenal, great story, and I'm glad you did tell it. Now, when I'm, when I'm looking through your, your stuff here, it, and I can't quite figure out exactly what happened here, and if it's, if it's a sore subject, we can skip it, but I know you did a little recording with Black Sabbath also. Did that stuff ever get out, or did it get shelved? Um, what um, happened with that? Well, I was a member of Black Sabbath. I never released or, or toured with them, never released any recordings or toured with them. I was a member for a short time in 1984 as I was just putting Keel together. I had just put my band together and I you know, recruited my guys and we're getting ready for our first big show in uh, Southern California. And Spencer Proffer, who had produced the Quiet Ride album, the mental health, you know, what, 18 million sold or whatever, uh, he was producing the new Black Sabbath record. He had signed on to be their, their producer for their, ne their next project. Ian Gillen had just left the band. And Spencer had heard my voice through the studio walls as I was cutting Keel demos. And he pegged me for the gig. And I uh, got to hang with Tony and, and meet Tony and Keezer. And, and we 
we had some extensive discussions, signed a contract. I met their management. We had a deal worked out. And, uh, it did not, uh, it, it didn't go any further than that until, gosh, last year when we released uh, an album called The Emerald Sabbath, which is a tribute record of all the guys that uh, were part of the Sabbath legacy. We were, I think there's 10 or 12 ex-Sabbath members on this record. So I finally got to sing those songs on an album. I got to cover Ozzy with a song called Hole in the Sky. I got to cover Ian Gillen with a song called Trashed. And my uh, one of my heroes and idols, Ronnie James Dio. I got to sing Die Young. Now, there's a music video for Die Young on YouTube. You just uh, search Ron Keel, Die Young. I'm really, really proud of that. I'll be looking And uh, the fact that I was able to finally live the Black Sabbath dream on record with some of these guys that were in the band. Vinny Apathy, who played on Heaven and Hell, is actually the drummer on uh, Die Young with me. And Rudy Sarzo on bass, who obviously a legendary bass player who spent a lot of time with Ozzy and Whitesnake. So I uh, did finally get to uh, fulfill my Black Sabbath dream. And we still include a couple of Sabbath tracks in the show. And uh, whether it's an acoustic show or a a full Ron Keel band show, and uh, you can see uh, you can see us doing uh, a little Black Sabbath tribute, a little ten minute medley during the course of the show to commemorate that experience with me. But I probably talked about it a lot more than I actually sang sang it, because so, <laughs> it comes up in every interview. I can't dodge it. It's not a sore subject. I'm extremely proud of it. Who knows what would have happened if I'd stayed with the band, or, or yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I don't look back uh, in hindsight too much. I'm, I'm a guy who's focused on today and uh, the next song the next challenge the next gig the next road trip well it just seems something interesting and i thought i needed to ask and you know it kind of the the grandfathers of what many say you know started heavy metal which is you know kind of the path you were on for a little while so i had to include that absolutely man no i'm certainly just to even have it'd be a very very tiny thread in the huge fabric of black sabbath's legacy is an honor and i've been mentioned in some of the books that have been written about their history and on their website black uh hyphen sabbath.com i'm listed in the chronology and now certainly the emerald sabbath tribute album really uh, put an exclamation point on that experience now ron i'm going to ask you a question that's usually a tough one for musicians um what are your hobbies outside of music uh, you know music is my hobby <laughs> <laughs> it's my life it's it's really everything to me i i am i'm i like to ride a motorcycle and I like to spend time with my wife. Um, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of uh, other activities other than the occasional camping trip. I, I am very, very focused and always have been since I got bit by that bug in watching the Beatles when I was two years old. Uh, music has been everything to me. My best friend, my job, my hobby, my therapy. Um, it, it, it is, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and, and that's what I want to do. Um, and when I when I go camping, when I go on a camping trip, it's very tough to leave the guitar at home. And I, I usually don't uh, because I, I'm writing lyrics in a notebook or I'm, I'm strumming chords on a guitar or something. I mean, uh, I don't, I, I, I like to, uh, I watch sports, I'll play chess, you know, but I don't know if those are real hobbies or just yeah. recreational activities to get me away from, the, the music for a minute. Wait, but whenever you're going camping, I like I love to go camping also. It's always nice if you're camping and somebody in a camper nearby 
is out by the campfire playing the guitar and singing. It just kind of gives you that, that old cowboy feeling, you know, like you're watching an old western on TV and or to me it does and you the campfire is the best gig you'll ever do man i'm telling you so many great songs have been written and so many stories told just that 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 really strips it down to its bare uh essentials and allows you to to just express yourself and enjoy the music and uh, that's what i encourage any any of my students i do online training uh, on my patreon site at patreon.com slash ron keel and i've got some students that they just want to play for fun and uh, they just want to get to where they can sit around the campfire play guitar for their friends and, and usually when i go camping it's just me and my wife and she, she sees me put the guitar in the truck. She goes, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I thought we were spending some time together. <laughs> Why don't you leave her at home? Why don't you leave the mistress at home? But Because uh, she's heard it all before. She hears it every day, all day. And my studio at the house is semi-soundproof, but not completely soundproof. Um, and so I'll, I'll get done with a rehearsal or a recording session. And I'll come upstairs. She goes, that sounds pretty good. You can hear that because uh, I am, I'm, as you can probably tell, just from my speaking voice, I'm a loud cat. You know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't speak softly or play softly. Well, it, the best part about this interview is you're so passionate about what you do, and that it, I don't care what it is. I love the passion in somebody. You know, when you're watching, I, li I like to watch racing, and you're watching racing on TV, and somebody wins, and they're just, you know, so ecstatic about, you know, how great it was, and that passion. You can feel it, and you can see it. You know, it just. It's infectious. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. And I believe that positive energy I do. Has, has fed my soul and my success for my entire career. I'm celebrating 40 years in the business now and was able to make a living and do what I love to do and still expressing myself and still making a living. And I attribute a lot of that to that positive energy, that grit, that desire to enjoy my life and this is what makes me happy i get it when you know there's race car drivers a great analogy man those guys uh that's their passion they get behind that wheel and they are in their zone and, and doing something that's very dangerous and uh, very tough to win in that game at least in my sport you know, we're not really keeping score, no. Alan. You know, we're, you know, I, 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 I do that every game because I'm a huge sports fan as well, and I'm a, a very passionate NFL fan. But and I take a lot of my uh, work ethic from coaches and players that uh, go through hell and back to get their their bodies and minds in shape to execute a very difficult game plan and hopefully achieve victory. And I say that after every gig, I'll tell my band, man, three touchdowns, you know, spike the football, or guys. We won by a field goal in overtime. We can't have this anymore. So, I mean, I really, I do keep score, but there's no losing in my business. Um, I, I appreciate every victory and every opportunity to be on a show like yours, talk to you and, and celebrate my, my history and my music. And uh, so even a, every, every little thing, it all matters and it's all important and I enjoy it. Well, you've mentioned your wife a couple times, and, I, and I've got a question here. Uh, I know your, your wife wrote a book. Uh, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's called Anything But Pink. That's correct. Uh, on Becoming a Cancer Survivor. T tell our listening audience about that and, and what that means to you and what that means to her. I appreciate you asking. Thank you for mentioning the book and mentioning that pivotal life experience that we went through the last four years 
because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of listeners out there whose lives have been touched directly or indirectly by cancer. Um, and in a lot of them listening will know when you get that diagnosis, everything changes. Once your loved one sits you down and says, I have cancer, everything changes. Everything stops. And that happened for us in 2017 when my wife was diagnosed with uh, stage 3 breast cancer and the tumor was growing at a very aggressive rate. It was it doubled in size in three weeks. And all of a sudden, you know, I had just put Ron Keel Band together, rebranded. Well, the band was together as Badlands House Band. And we had already built a, a very solid base. Uh, for 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 the band and, and uh, a strong chemistry and friendship between me and the guys, and we had big plans for 2017. I mean, we we had uh, a lot of shows, a lot of road trips, and a lot of we had a new record deal. Uh, you know, it was a lot of lot of opportunity on the horizon, and I had to go to the guys and say, I can't I can't leave. I'm, I'm going to stay home this year, and I'm going to be there with her for every chemotherapy treatment, every radiation treatment, nine surgeries. Um, oh, wow. So, uh, and the guys in the band could have gone anywhere, and they, they stuck with me. They, they, they had my back. They were my support group during that time. And instead of going on tour, we locked in here in my basement and wrote the Fight Like a Band album, which really that, that entire album is a very personal reflection on that experience. And the, the title track, Fight Like a Band, is really what Ron Keel Band is all about. Um, you can even hear it in the lyrics of the first verse where I talk about when the doctors came in and gave her the news. She cried and, you know, she, she did what she had to. And literally that first verse, singing it in the studio, was an extremely emotional moment for me because it was written about my wife and the cancer experience and the battle we were going through at the time. And so, th so that record is, is certainly very special and, 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 and for me. And, and that diagnosis and the subsequent treatments changed everything for us. Now, I know the next obvious question is, how is she doing? And she's fine. She's been uh, uh, free of cancer now for three years. And... She is extremely healthy and happy, and we're both doing great. We celebrated our wedding anniversary yesterday, and she is my, my inspiration, my best friend, and, and, and all that. But she did put all that into a book. The day she, you asked about the book, I should probably plug that a little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, as you can tell, I, I, I can be a little long-winded. Uh, she came home from the, the day we got the diagnosis. She sat me down and said, I have cancer. And then we came home. And she immediately started writing her thoughts and feelings and experiences as an online blog. Uh, just to really just to, to document the experience as a therapeutic process for her to, to help her process and deal with the cancer diagnosis and the subsequent treatments. And she was writing a blog and she would post that online. And a lot of people were but we had 40,000 readers in all across the world, people reading her blog and following her story and her journey through cancer. And a lot of people told her, you should put this into a book. And so I started writing my blog posts, if you will, from the husband slash caregiver standpoint, what it felt like to me uh, to go through that with her at her side, what it felt like to try and keep, keep playing music.
to to stay passionate and intimate, uh, to to do all the things that um, any family or husband and wife going through cancer that they're going to have to deal with all the same stuff. And I, I put down my thoughts and feelings. So she has her chapter, and then at the end of her chapter, I have my little footnote, if you will, about what I was experiencing and, and going through at the same time. Uh, it's a great, uplifting, uh, positive message for anybody who might need to to share that experience with us. And I know the first thing that I did when we got home, she started writing a blog. I started, I went on Amazon, eBay, wherever I could, and I bought every book I could about the cancer husband. You know, what, what do you do? How do you handle this? What do you, what, what, and, and I, the, the books that I found were, were not very helpful. Let's put it that way. Um, I'd like to think that uh, some of the cancer patients, victims, not victims, uh, patients or survivors that have read Renee's book may have experienced that same positive energy that we, because we stayed happy, we stayed positive, we fought that thing and we won, and it's, it's a happy ending to our story, and I hope that everybody uh, who goes through that has the same happy ending. If you know someone, or if you or, or anybody you, you know or love is going through that cancer battle, I highly recommend Renee's book. You can get that at ronkeel.com in my online store, and also at her website, ReneeKeel.com, and she is also an artist. I want to talk about uh, some of her art that she's doing now, and she's got a, a beautiful gallery of her artwork. It's photo art, where she takes photographs and blends them with art, artistic elements. It's really fascinating stuff, and that's all at ReneeKeel.com, R-E-N-E-E-K-E-E-L.com. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about her and plug that book and that experience. Well, no, I mean, that's inspirational just, just to hear that. I, I know you write songs, and uh, you know, you, I interview other artists, and, and I know you've got a podcast, and you interview artists, and you never know. I mean, somebody writes a song, and you know, 40, 50, 60 years later, it's still meaning something to somebody. And you know, if your if your book helps somebody, a it was I'm sure very very therapeutic for you and your wife. But who knows who's going to read it, and that's going to help them get through this journey. That's that's a tough journey. It's yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to hear those words. Yeah, and, and I get that those messages all the time. Hey, my wife has cancer. We just bought your book. You know, and I hope it helps. Yeah, that's a that's a blessing. Absolutely. Um, Ron, what we're sitting here, I'm sitting here. I've got my notes now all over the table here because I've jumped from questions. <laughs> You're on an acoustic tour starting in April. It's just going to be you and your guitar the way I, I see it. And you're going to be in Pearson, Indiana on April 3rd. Uh, what should the fans expect that night? I'm going to be in Pearson, Indiana, April 3rd, uh, Columbus, Ohio, the previous night, April 2nd. I actually just got back from the first two shows of the acoustic tour in Idaho this past weekend. I did Pocatello on Friday and then Twin Falls on Saturday and let me stress the acoustic shows are literally just a, it, it's uh, the band comes first Ron Keel Band has a lot of big shows this summer coming up and the band always comes first but I will take that opportunity if the band is not working to go out with myself hop on a, hop on a plane with my acoustic guitar 
and do the what I call the alone acoustic shows. And I started doing these in 2005 when I released my solo acoustic album, Alone at Last. And it's a very challenging experience for me to just, and I've toured with Y&T, Jackal, Quiet Riot, Slaughter, some of these 80s metal bands that, you know, they, they want an opening act with a, you know some name value and hopefully I'll help sell some tickets because I'm Ron Keel, but they can't afford the whole band. And that's usually how it ends up. You can't afford the whole band. I'll, I'll be glad to get on a plane and, and come sing for you. And uh, the first when you first walk out there with the guitar, it's just the guitar. They think it's Ron Keel. And I walk out there, and you can see the look on everybody's face like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then I start into the show, and by the end of the first song, they are mine. Uh, because it really is a, a, an entertaining experience. I take the audience on a journey through my entire 40-year career in somewhat chronological order. I tell the stories behind the songs, and I, uh, I, I've gotten very comfortable in that environment. And I'm able to, like this past weekend, man, they had some great rock bands on the bill out there in Idaho with me. I think it was five bands each night, and I'm like sandwiched in the middle. I'm the headliner, but I like to, I don't want to close the night. I like to play somewhere in the middle so that I can have that meet and greet opportunity with the fans. After I get off stage, I can go out there and hang with the people, have some drinks, sell some merch, shake some hands, you know, uh, take some photos, and just kind of hang with the people. So I don't close the show, usually. And to be sandwiched in between these great rock bands, and I come out there with just my guitar, it's a huge challenge. I enjoy it, and it, it keeps me very sharp uh, there's there's no place to hide when I'm doing the solo acoustic gig with the full band and we got the full production and I got great musicians behind me and you know, all the lights and smoke and all that cool stuff uh, not that I, I slack off or, or take it easy but it, when I'm doing the solo acoustic performance there is not one second during that show that I'm not entirely totally focused and trying to to deliver an entertainment experience that people will enjoy and pay to see with just the guitar, the voice, and the stories. Now, of course, all the keel hits are included because the night, there's fire, all the metal cowboy songs, um, songs from my Alone at Last acoustic record, and there's, there's never enough time to fit all of them in um, because I'm usually on stage for an hour, hour and a half, maybe, and I, I get off the stage and I walk away going, man, I didn't do Fuck Tennessee, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I do a little acoustic Black Sabbath thing. I do like having an L for Black Sabbath acoustically, and it works great, man. So I enjoy those. The Pearson, Indiana show is going to be a big one for me. Uh, I've got Columbus, Ohio, like I said, on April uh, 2nd, and then Pearson, Indiana, April 3rd. Got a big run in South Carolina coming this summer, four nights in a row throughout South Carolina, ending up at Myrtle Beach at uh, a place called Retroactive. It's a, a fantastic uh, memorabilia store that sells stuff from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I'm there to celebrate their anniversary with them, winding up the uh, that four-day four run in South Carolina. From there, I head to Johnson City, Tennessee, and then I'm in uh, Nashville in August, August 6th and 7th for the Rockin' Pod Expo. This is a really cool thing. You, you know about I'm, the Rockin' I'm, Pod, I'm right? I'm going to be there. One of my buddies is, is going to be playing there also, so yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, will, I can't wait to meet you at Rockin' Pod in Nashville, August 6th and 7th. That's a fantastic event. 
And from there, the next day, August 8th, I fly out to Sturgis to join my band for the Sturgis Rally. We did that last year, did five headline shows at the rally. Sturgis is like our residency every year. We do five shows, and uh, people from all over the country get to come hang with us and, and uh, ride, party, listen to music, and celebrate, you know, the right to rock and our freedoms and, and uh, the lifestyle that we love. Well, Ron, we've neared the end of our uh, interview here, and I, I, I want to thank you for being a great guest. You're a great speaker. You're full of enthusiasm. Um, thanks for being a guest on Sights and Sounds. And I, I want you to tell the listeners, you know, and before you tell the listeners, I'm going to tell them, you know, you need to check out his website. First of all, it's fantastic. I Every time I do an interview, you know, I go through people's websites, look, see what they have, what's going on. You know, you've got podcasts, you've got you've got your wife's book on there, you've got music on there, you've got videos on there, you've got a highlight reel. Tell all the people where they can get your merchandise, what all they can get get from the website, and anything well, you want to plug. I appreciate that opportunity, Alan. And I'm a firm believer in the traditional website. You know, social media comes and goes. I remember AOL Instant Messenger, MySpace, and all that other stuff. My website's been there for 21 years. It's going to be there another 21 years. Ron Keel. Dot com. Listen to the podcast. Check out the Patreon page. That is really my tribe. I didn't even get to mention this, Alan. If you don't mind, real quick. No, 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 when no. my wife was diagnosed with cancer, uh, I had to find a way to work from home, as many of us did during the pandemic. But I was in quarantine years ago. When she got her diagnosis, all of a sudden, we're wiping down the light switches and the remote controls and, and wearing masks and, and doing all that stuff years before COVID-19. And so I had to find a way to work from home. I built uh, my site on a platform called Patreon. And right now, we have been in business there for two and a half years with hundreds of posts, exclusive audio, video, stuff you're not going to get on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, these people are my tribe. They are my family. And I work really hard to keep them entertained online with exclusive video, audio, experiences like live online chat. And uh, every, every day I wake up and say, what can I do for my Kilaholics today? And uh, I, I encourage everybody just to check it out. It's six ninety nine. Uh, to, to join for all access and with that you get everything it's, it's like Netflix for rock fans and um, I appreciate the support that our fans and our Keelaholics have given me uh, on the Patreon site patreon.com slash Ron Keel there's links to that all over my website ronkeel.com very easy to find I hope that everybody will pay it a visit and enjoy the ride with me well, Ron, thanks so much for being my guest today. We greatly appreciate having you. Uh, thank you for the invitation, Alan. Great job, great interview, and I can't wait to hear this and share it with our people all over the world. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger, sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. Join us the first and third Sunday of every month at 11 a.m. on WYRZ. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. 
Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West US 36 in Danville, and 2238 West US Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com.